Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions. All right, let's roll. Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage on radio. I am Gabriel Morenci throwing it down. Studio 34. It's Friday, which means Steve Merrill will join us in a couple of moments. Babano will step up and in. We're talking uh, football. We're talking baseball. we got World Series. We have college of football. We'll talk a little NASCAR uh, as well. We're talking everything. The Raging Redhead, uh, Cam Stewart, unfortunately not with us uh, once again today. I expect he'll be back uh, with us on a Monday, dealing with some personal issues. So a shout-out to the Raging Redhead, Cam Stewart. We want to let you know uh, right now, if you're tuning in, we actually have a um, we got a video stream going right now. We've got a video stream. We've got a chat open, so check out the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page uh, as well. And in for the Raging Redhead, Cam Stewart. Yesterday was the King Scott Engel. Today, um, as Cam calls him, Long Island uh, Rage. George Kurtz steps up and in and... I don't know if he's going to be raging about the Islanders. He might have some rage about the trades still a couple of days later, and he might be thinking to himself, I don't know, maybe we could have gotten Devontae Parker for like a fifth-round pick instead of Mario Cooper for a first-round pick. Kurtz, George Kurtz. What's up, George? Don't start with me, Gabe. Don't start with me about Cooper, man. I'm still upset about this first-round pick. Yeah, right out of the gate. I don't know. Like, yeah, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to Corey. Corey thinks it's the greatest deal since, like, Michael Irvin's arrival in Dallas. Listen, if it works out, he does become a top-law flight receiver. But let me tell you what's wrong with Dallas and what's wrong with how uh, they think. Jerry Jones comes out this, uh, today and says, well, we were going to take our receiver in the first round anyway. Really? So no matter where you were picking in the first round or what the talent was in the first round, you were going to take a receiver. That's that's the idiotic thinking that kills me with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't know what's worse. Jerry Jones getting more involved uh, with the day, day-to-day operations of Cowboys or Hugh, uh, Hugh Jackson in Cleveland saying, you know what? I got to get more involved with the offense. I'm going to be more hands-on here uh, with this offense. It's the last thing uh, that you need. All right, uh, so, yeah, we've got a ton of guests on Friday. Um, the 6 o'clock hour, of course, we talk DFS. Uh, tonight we'll take a look at the NBA. I'll run an optimizer or two, talk a little NHL as well with Georgia Kurtz. And, of course, we'll dive in as far as the National Football League is concerned, Week 8 from a fantasy football perspective. Let's bring in Steve Merrill right now off the top uh, of the show. And uh, run the gauntlet with Steve Merrill, ProSportsInfo.com, one of the covers experts. Steve, it's always a pleasure. How you doing today? Steve Merrill. What's up, Steve? I was told we have Steve Merrill. Did we lose Steve Merrill? You hear me? There you are. What's up, Steve? I've been hearing you for over two minutes. What's going on? I knew you were there. I knew you were there. That's why I kept saying, what's up, Steve? I knew eventually I'd just hear your voice. Um, <laughs> I would appear. Speaking of NASCAR, just quickly on this, you know, we, we've sort of dropped. We haven't talked as much NASCAR, Steve. And George Kurtz uh, in for Cam Stewart today. George Kurtz is on Skype uh, right now with us. 
But I had Chase Elliott on the show uh, yesterday morning. Not a bad get. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what? Hey, you know, one of the hottest drivers on the circuit right now, one of the more popular guys on the circuit. But I got to swear, uh, Steve, to you, man, he drives a lot faster than he talks. All right? Not the oh, most yeah, yeah not the most talkative kid, man. Like, you read about Chase Elliott, it's like, oh, he's, you know, he's the young star, and he gets the biggest cheers in the crowd and stuff. Well, not because of his personality, Steve. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and Bill Elliott probably wasn't the – maybe a little more lively, but he was kind of a good old Southern guy too. Um, and Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott are best friends, two of the youngest drivers, probably the two most talented young drivers. And Dave Blaney was kind of bland as well, his father. But, yeah, both of them <laughs> seem like nice guys. They're great drivers. Um, I don't want to say slow, but <laughs> they're faster <just> <laughs> on the track. <laughs> I could have asked him anything. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know what I mean, it was, it was yeah, tough, George. Polite. You do these interviews, you know, you're happy to get a big name, but I sort of knew going in, these NASCAR guys, it's hit or miss with them. They're either really funny and really talkative, or it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, one-word answers are always a killer for interviews. Oh, yeah, you know, I said, hey, you know, everyone had trouble with that new Camaro except you. Yeah, you know what, I never really had a problem with it. And then that's it. <laughs> I was like, man, like I knew I better have like 14 questions ready for this. But So what's going on in NASCAR, uh, Steve? Uh, what, what are you looking at this week? Well, I mean, the big news is the guys that got eliminated this past round, Kyle Larson, Brad Keselowski, um, those are guys we thought had a chance to be that fourth driver. You know, we everyone kind of penciled in or probably inked in Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch and pretty much Martin Truex, but Truex was very close to missing the cut as well. Um, he hasn't been quite as dominant. Um, I still think it's going to be either Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch, but yeah, Chase Elliott's won two of the last three races. And if somebody gets a win, you know, here at Martinsville or next week, they could sneak into that final four uh, by default. By the way, Kyle Busch, a heavy favorite at Martinsville this week. Uh, so he pretty much looks like he'll probably punch his ticket this week to the final event in Miami. But either way, him and Harvick pretty much are locked up. They almost have a full race lead still over everybody else. All right, let's jump in here to uh, the college football card here uh, tonight. I got a weird night last night, Steve, with the exception of Baylor. Man, the underdogs were barking last night, weren't they? Uh, Toledo won outright. Um, Georgia Tech beats the crap out of Va Tech. I didn't see that one coming. I was on Virginia Tech. Um, App State, uh, App State goes down. You had uh, Georgia Southern rolling. So you know, I did a, I did an ESPN Radio Florida hit earlier in the day. It's like ESPN Southwest Florida. It's you know the whole region or whatever. And it's generally in like the tenth. I think they're the home of the Buccaneers. But they talk. They always ask me about FAU. So we talked FAU. And I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, and you, Steve, today. You know Lane Kiffin. You know, the students are going to love him. Lane Kiffin asked the de- the dean of the school to uh, let kids out of class earlier today to shut it down so they can party. <laughs> like He's basically like, he said, it's a TV game. It's a big game for us. I guess they're rivals with Tech. And, uh, you know, he asked the dean if he can, you know, shut class down and make it basically the football team's day today so everyone can go to the game and they oblige. But I got to wonder, George, how many kids are really in class on a Friday afternoon at Florida Atlantic University in the first place? <laughs> I guess if you're not a sports fan, you wouldn't be, right? You're, you're being class. You're like, what? We're, we're cancel? What's going on? I, yeah, you'd be I like, I paid money to come to school, and you're shutting it down because we're playing Louisiana Tech? <laughs> Listen, when I was in school, man, I would drive. I went to St. John's, man. I would go to school. There'd be no parking. I'd go right back home. <laughs> so, you know, Steve, to me, though, it just shows that, hey, Lane Kiffin wants this game tonight. Like, he's interested in this game. 
Yeah, the thing that jumps out to me, though, is how they have not been interested in coming to the point spreads. You know, no, money burners. Major teams don't get a lot of public. Well, and you know, Gabe, that the public doesn't follow these teams like you and I do. Um, but if there's one mid-major team that the public probably pays attention to, it's Florida Atlantic because of Lane Kiffin, as you just mentioned. And a big year and last year. I think that's year. been evident. Exactly right. A good offensive team as well. Um, they're one in six against the number right now. Wow. And I actually like Louisiana Tech in this spot again tonight. I think we're getting a better defensive team as an underdog. Uh, Miami and Boston College uh, tonight, an interesting game. I see it's up to four points right now. You know, now it's up to four. I'm kind of getting interested in BC a little bit here, Steve. I think the big question for me is how Miami responds off the bye week. I think the bye came at a really good time for them after that. Um, you know, the loss against Virginia – uh, only putting up 13 points. They needed a week to regroup. So we'll see if they can come in fresh. I think they probably come out a little sluggish, though. Uh, meanwhile, Boston College also off a of bye week. They went 2-2 two and two before the bye when they were ranked top 25 there briefly. Both teams probably needed the bye last week. I, I would say, expect Boston College to probably be a little sharper early in this game. And, by the way, the thing that jumps out to me about Miami of Florida, they allowed just 3.8 yards per play. Boston College has averaged six this year against teams that allow 6.2. So they're almost playing the defense. It's two and a half yards per play better than the average schedule they've played this year. Interesting, interesting. Uh, both five and two, so the winner's going to be a nice spot at six and two. Indiana and Minnesota is pretty much a bowl eliminator. Um, Indi- Hoosiers come in with a four and four record. Gophers are who they who we thought they were. Uh, they're three and four right now. Gophers getting a couple of points on their home field. Yeah, a lot of good games. I mean, we've got a Pac-12 game, got this Big Ten game here. Um, the thing that jumps out to me about Minnesota this season, of course, is the fact they're 3-1 and one at home, 0-3 oh on the road. So they have been a better home team. Uh, rush defense has been bad. Pass defense has been good. Uh, Indiana's a below-average offensive team overall. I kind of like the under here, actually. I think under 53.5 could have some value. Wyoming-Colorado State is a game that caught my eye, only because the number is short here. Well, you got Colorado getting 2.5 now, a little bit of line movement, and Wyoming's offense is just inept. You know, I don't like betting on bad college football teams here, Steve, but Wyoming's showing us nothing this year. You want to talk about money burners as well, just two and six against the spread. Yeah, my power range make this game around the pickup. Maybe Colorado State minus one is what I'd have the odds at here. And it is an interesting line move. Colorado State opened as high as minus two. Now they're plus two and a half. So I think we do get some value now with Colorado State, especially if it hits that key number of plus three. This is a late 10 o'clock Eastern kickoff at plus three or more. If it gets there by kickoff, I'd start leaning towards the Rams. And uh, finally, in closing, we've got Chip Kelly's UCLA Bruins tonight, as you mentioned, pretty much the along with the Boston College game. But a lot of people I talked to today and looking online, this is the game that people have circled tonight. It's the bigger game of the night with Utah and UCLA, it's later in the night, so it'll be a bailout special for a lot of people. You know, UCLA yeah. stumbled out of the gate, uh, Steve, but they're starting to put it together a little bit uh, right now. They had that cover against the Washington Huskies. They beat up on Cal in Cal. I was on Arizona. I didn't think that UCLA should be 10-point uh, underdogs on their 10-point uh, ten, ten favorites against Arizona. They ended up winning the game by one point. Now we're getting 10.5. I know Utah is a better football team, Steve, but seems like a lot of points for a UCLA team is starting to play better right now. Yeah, my power ratings favor Utah by only eight in this game. So at 10.5, there is line value with UCLA crossing that key number. And you said the exact right thing, Gabe. You know, you have to wait for teams like this to show you something. They start 0-5 straight up. They've now won back-to-back games. And more importantly, they've put up 68 points yep. in those two wins. Covered three, they yeah, covered two out of the three weeks. Get a yeah. nice straight up win. They're running the ball with this Kelly kid now. I like that. Yeah, and Utah's in a bad spot here, too. Don't forget, they just had a huge win against USC last Saturday night. Now they're traveling on a short week. 
All right, so let's jump into some NFL. Well, that last college game, uh, the cocktail, two college games, actually. Cocktail party. I'm leaning with the underdog and the Gators here. Uh, we'll see how Georgia responds uh, after that loss in the bye. And then that other one, Texas and Oklahoma State. Does Texas keep on rolling? Yeah, interesting thing about both these games is the bye week. Both Georgia and Florida are coming off byes. Georgia really needed it after that LSU loss by 20 points. Florida, perfect 5-0 and straight up in ATS heading into the bye. So maybe that hurts them a little, but I think the line's too high. My power range actually only favored Georgia by 3.5, so at 7 or more, there is value with Florida. And my power range make the Texas game a pick em, uh, yet the line is 3.5. And, and once again, it's because of recent results. Texas, a perfect 6-0 and run. They get the bye last week, probably did not need it. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State on a one and three slide got the bye. They probably did need it. So I think the byes are going to be something interesting to analyze in both those games. Texas is secretly and um, um, quietly just sort of hanging around the playoff picture right now uh, after that opening loss to Maryland. All right, let's jump into some NFL football, George. You go first. Throw, a, throw an NFL game at uh, Mr. Steve Merrill here. Well, let's talk about the, the England game. Philadelphia, Jacksonville. Jacksonville plus three and a half. Are we worried about the Jaguars? An imploding team. Blake Bortles maybe doesn't finish the game here. They've got some injuries to worry about. What are we thinking about the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yeah, George, the thing that jumps out at me about this game is it's the best matchup we've ever had in one of these England games. We got the two teams that played in conference championship games last year. But then with that said, they're both three and four. I probably will not be involved in this game. I just don't know what to make of either one of these squads right now. And then you got the tribal overseas on top of that. The, the, you know, both these teams are sort of on the fence right, on, right now, on the ropes, uh, so to speak. But the loser really will be in a lot of trouble after this one. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll continue our conversation with Steve Merrill, ProSportsInfo.com on a Fantasy Sports Radio Network. YouTube as well today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Uh, game time decisions, Red Eat and Rage Radio, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Remember, the uh, road to hell was paved with good intentions. Steve Merrill with us. George Kurtz in for Cam Stewart today. Uh, we're talking NFL football. We'll get to the World Series before we get Steve out of here. What do you got to be out of here, Steve? What do you got? Till 28, 27, 28? Yeah, 28's good. 28. Then, then where, where are you? Where, where, what is it? Is it Denver after? No, uh, ESPN Richmond, my home station. My ESPN home Richmond. That's funny. You're going to be on the 430 ESPN Richmond in your home area there. It's funny. I'm actually two places at once. I see on Twitter right now, ESPN Florida has me on at 430. <laughs> that's when you know you're, you're <laughs> going to be tight. That's when you're the king of the media, George. Like, you and I are doing the show now, but my voice is on ESPN Florida right now. That's how you roll. Like, multiple places at once. I'm like uh, that dude, uh, the, my pillow guy. Yeah, I got, I got. He's got ads running in multiple cities at once. I haven't seen as many my pillow ads recently. No, he's got my. He's got a mattress topper now. Do you see that? I think it's a whole thirty-minute infomercial. And man, I was ready to pull the trigger on that bad boy until I saw the price. Yeah, what's it? What are they? What really? So he, he, you were liking the look it of it like, until you heard the price. I think it was on sale for like four or six hundred bucks or something. I was like, you know. 
I think I can hold off for right now. I'm not sure it's that great, but he made it look fantastic. And it did it did include two pillows, which were like thirty bucks, I think. A thirty dollar value. You know what? I was thinking that he's pushing it now. He's got a good thing going with the pillows. Nobody wants to buy mattresses from the guy and stuff. Like I you know, I, I think he's it's pushing just a it. mattress topper. It's just a one like a three inch layer of foam that goes oh, over yeah. the mattress. I couldn't justify four or six hundred bucks for that, no matter how mad. But but he had a heat mapping thing and he had a before and after got like handicap in the mattress pad so you know of course i got my attention and it was probably 4 a.m and i was analyzing games anyways you know how that rolls you know um you know he's a real partier before he's a good great success story in a sense that the guy he had a cocaine problem he was essentially homeless and he came up with the pillow idea and uh, he made it work so the american dream all right so you guys are talking about jacksonville and philadelphia here both of them been real bad against the spread you know, this is it. I, you know, I, I sort of think that Philadelphia is the better team and that Philadelphia should go in there and find a way of winning the game. I thought they turned the corner when they beat the Giants. I think the Giants just are that bad. And I wonder where their head is at. And then you get Jacksonville. You know, they play here every year. They've won the, the game the last three years they've been here. It really is going to be like a home game for the Jags. They're more familiar with the surroundings, and the crowd will be a pro-Jacksonville crowd in this game. Blake Bortles has been bad pretty much uh, playing for his life and his job here with Jacksonville. I'm leaning with the Jags, but I don't love it, George. Who do you like? I like Philadelphia. I think Jacksonville's a mess. I think they're a mess on offense. I think Bortles got replaced last week. They were problems in the locker room. They were fighting in the locker room after the game. I imagine that's defense versus offense. Defense feeling the offense is letting them down, even though the defense hasn't been anywhere near as good this season. I'm going with the Eagles. They're the better team. They Listen, they lost late. They choked the lead late to uh, to Carolina last week. I'm not worried about them traveling. I think I think the Jaguars are just to go. They're a mess right now. They're a dumpster fire. And uh, Blake Bortles, actually, I don't really like his comments, to be honest. I understand he's frustrated, uh, but it sounds like he's sort of taking shots at his own guys here. Is that um, when asked about his struggles and the fact that hey, you know uh, he's on a short leash, I'm totally at peace with that. Uh, he says, I totally understand that I'm the scapegoat for this team. When we play good, the defense played well. The running back did good. The receivers made plays. When we play bad, hey, Blake Bortles is the worst quarterback on the face of the planet. I get it. Obviously, that's not the role I would have chosen for myself, and I'm sure it'll. I'm not sure it'll ever stop, but I don't care less. I just want to win football games with this team. All right, you know, you could have taken a shot at the media, but, you know, it seems because... It seems to me that he's he's about to crack here, and finally all the all the pot shots are catching up to him a little bit, Steve. All right, so um, tough game. Well, let me, Steve, before we get you out of here, and we'll get to the baseball. One last NFL game: Rams Packers. Everyone's talking about Ooh, Aaron Rodgers getting all these points. I'm starting to get the feeling that the Rams are going to kill them. Actually, that they actually crush the Packers. What do you make of that one? Well, I think there's no question it's a big line. I mean, this line was probably, what, maybe a field goal when the season began. You know, L.A. would have maybe been three. They were probably considered equal. Packers were actually probably a slight favorite over the Rams to win the conference. So it's almost double digits now. So it is a big number, but L.A. has been explosive. Safer play might be the over. You know, we keep seeing these high totals, but they haven't been able to set them high enough in the NFL this year. Uh, this one currently is around 56 and a half. Probably not high enough. I mean, this game has all the makings of an offensive shootout. All right, World Series tonight. It's a must win. It really is. I hate the term must win unless it's an elimination game. But the Dodgers are already pretty much screwed. But we can we can hang our hat on the fact that a series really hasn't started until a team loses on their home field, uh, rink, court, etc. What do you make of the game tonight? 
Well, the problem, though, of course, is that L.A. only has three home games. So they're going to have to win one in Boston at some point. Um, and the odds of them winning all three of these in a row probably are pretty slim, too. Yeah, I think this is a good spot for L.A. You know, maybe the Red Sox regress a little bit having to travel across country. And one thing I like about the World Series, I don't like home field and baseball in general, as you know. But you can make a case that these, you know, World Series games, home field is more of an issue. The Dodgers were not used to Fenway. Um, the Red Sox aren't too used to L.A. either. So I think that's a good spot for the Dodgers tonight to at least get a win. Steve Merrill, ProSportsInfo.com, one of the covers experts. Uh, Steve, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. There's uh, Steve Merrill. Damn, am I good uh, managing a clock. Bo, 428. Steve Merrill is off and running to ESPN Richmond. As they, that's the life, guys. You want to be a media. You want to be a media force. That's your life. Calling in, um, you know, video video hits, live uh, live webcast, and look at George Kurtz steps up in and out of the bullpen, short notice at that. So, what what do you think of the baseball game tonight, uh, George, with the Dodgers with uh, Bueller on the hill against Porcello? I agree with Steve. I think this uh, the advantage does go to Los Angeles here. First game at Dodger Stadium. Fans will be going wild here. Dodgers, I mean, I don't understand they both had to go cross country, but the Dodgers are going home here. The pitching matchup sort of favors them. Bueller, assuming, listen, the young kid can't handle it. You know, it's not about the easiest thing. World Series you in a must win for L.A. But I like the Dodgers here tonight, assuming Roberts doesn't make some more intriguing managerial moves. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about that, actually, so... Listen, one thing with Roberts, one thing with the Dodgers is they're hitting they're hitting 191 with runners in scoring position. That's a problem. And you know, the Dodgers, it's always been a problem for them. It's been a problem for the last couple of years. That's not on the manager. But for my money, you know, the first decision I didn't like going back a couple of nights was Kershaw. You could see the wheels were falling off. You know, going into the fifth inning, once the first guy got on base, you got to get him out. You got. I know he's Clayton Kershaw, but... He gave you the four innings. It is what it is. It sucks. You know, to me, he left him in too much. And my other deal is, I don't know. I, I don't know how you feel about it. The old, you know, the, the righty versus lefty and the lefty versus righty stuff. You know, if you're a really good hitter and you're a good base, like, are, does Mookie Betts, are they sitting Mookie Betts because of the lineup and stuff? It seemed like he started to just overmanage a little bit, in my opinion, George. And there's, there was a lot of talent on the bench. Bellinger was like their best player against the Brewers. Offensively, defensively, he's making plays. Boom. You're taking him out of the mix. Muncie has been a real, real go-getter for the Dodgers and really just sort of been a shot in the arm for them, sort of out of the mix. He left a lot of talent on, on the bench in the first couple of nights. Well, what was the stat? I mean, the, the top four home run hitters weren't playing first time ever. Yeah, how do you Straight. do that? How do you do that? Like, I don't care if it's righty, lefty, lefty, righty. Well, I think you are overmanaging it, like you said. Plus, we have to remember here, you you weren't talking a dominant Chris Sale. We all knew he's he's running on fumes. He's not Chris Sale anymore. He's not throwing the ball 98 miles an hour. He's throwing the ball 91-92. You tell me Bellinger can't hit a 91-92 mile per hour fastball from a left-hander? I don't I don't buy that. So I I may not have played all the lefties. All right, I may not have played Bellinger and Muncie, but I agree with you about Bellinger. He's one he if he's not your best hitter, he's top three. He's in there every day. I'm not taking him out. It's not like you have. I was going to say Babe Ruth on the bench, but he's a left-hander. And he's a good too. defender, too. He's a good defensive you player. You have Joe on the bench. I mean, you don't have a great guy who's not – a great right hand who's not playing. I think you have to keep your guys in there. Uh, if Chris Sale was the same Sale that he was in June, I might feel differently here. But he wasn't that player. And we knew he wasn't going to be that player going in. And Robert should have known that. I don't really blame him for Kershaw. I might have given Kershaw a little bit of a leash, too. It's Kershaw. I think the first bad move was taking out Pedro Baez. 
he he made the first two guys look silly. He was throwing the ball at what ninety eight miles an hour. They yeah. weren't close to hitting him, and you take him out. You know, to me, that's where it gets to overmanaging. When you're doing stuff like that, the guy's blowing guys away. Sometimes you listen. I believe in analytics. I do. In the sabermetrics, I like all that stuff. But sometimes you got to believe your eyes too, and what they're showing you. The guy was unhittable at that point. I'm not removing him. I think you know, and you, know, you could we could be critical of the Dodgers for they weren't complaining. It is what it is, but they did admit that the weather got to them. And you know, going back home, and Corey keeps saying, "Oh, the Dodgers, it's soft." Chavez Ravine, you know, it's Larry King and Mary Hart. Nobody's intimidated. It's not so much the intimidation. And whatever, Yankee fans can yell at opposing players all they want. Yankee fans, what, what difference does it make? They still lost. So I, you know, I don't buy this intimidation crap, but the Dodgers will just will be more comfortable back home. They weren't comfortable. You could tell. They were just sort of, they weren't in their rhythm. They weren't in their zone. Um, you know, Kershaw had only pitched in temperatures under 50 degrees once in his life. Um, the Matson was talking about how in the bullpen they couldn't stay warm. The space heaters weren't working. That he could hear his knees cracking. Even Dave Roberts said, yeah, our guys had a little adjustment with the cold. I don't like hearing that they're that big of wusses that 43-degree weather freaks them out, but it did. And so they are going to be more comfortable back home in L.A. right now. They're gonna, Like you said, they're going to have to win all three games, and even then they're still behind the eight ball. Going back to Boston, um, you know, they'd be up 3-2. The way I feel, George, I think they're going to go back to Boston and down 3-2, and it's inevitable Then the Sox win at home in six. I, I had Boston in six. That's what I picked when we talked earlier in the week. I think yeah. Boston's the better team here. I mean, listen, baseball in cold weather, yeah, it's not perfect. All right, we've all done it. You know, you don't like to swing. You certainly don't want to hit the, the ball at the end of the bat or you, know, yeah, yeah. And you get the bees on the hands. You can't grip the curveball. I get it. You know, uh, it, the ball's a little slick. But, it, you know, hey, suck it up. It's the World Series. Isn't your adrenaline flowing so much that you're not going to feel cold anyway? Yeah, no, cold. You, see, you see people jogging, George, in the cold, right? I saw a chick the other day. She had a T-shirt and shorts on. I had a jacket and a hood up. <laughs> Listen, I never lived in L.A. lived in New York my whole life. Maybe uh, you do get soft out there. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, I, I just don't think it was cold enough. It wasn't 10 degrees, Gabe. It was 43. The adrenaline should make you feel okay. The only thing uh, I can see, yeah, you still can't grip the curveball. I get that. The ball's slick. It feels like a cue ball. I understand that. Everything else, to me, is just whining. Boston had to play through the same uh, the same situation, the same weather. No, you're exactly right. And another thing is, too, it could be a lot colder. You know, I, it's a little chilly right now in the last couple of days on the East Coast. I get it. But, you know, whether it's global warming, whatever the reason is for it, the temperatures have changed. So it's not even as cold as it's past, in past been. Like, I didn't hear them bring up, like, it anywhere close to being one of the coldest. You know, did you ever hear Joe Buck say, oh, this is one of the coldest World Series games ever? The weather was never even brought up. No. It wasn't like, oh, it's it's brutally cold. Basically it said, it's a, yeah, it's a brisk night here tonight, but it's not it's not overly cold. I mean, you saw fans in sort of jackets. Yeah. By the way, it's the World Series. Suck it. If you're looking for an excuse to lose, you're going to lose. No. There's always excuses. I mean, they suck it up. But let me ask you a question. Uh... Would you be a fan, or if you had a vote, would you want the World Series to be, be like the Super Bowl, played in a neutral site, in a dome, or in you know California or Texas every year, Florida? Would you be on board with that, or do you like the fact that, no. hey? No, I think the home field, I think it's, you know, if you're a fan and you go through this for 162 games, you follow your team all season long, I mean, that's really the, the thing about being a baseball fan, right? Maybe the World Series will be here one year. Well, I agree maybe with you. maybe I'll, maybe we'll get to see some playoff games in the World Series. 
it just takes it away. I mean, that's the that's the biggest scam about the Super Bowl, isn't it, George? How many how many fans of the teams are really at a Super Bowl? Three thousand, four thousand? If that. Yeah, a couple if of thousand. That, and and then even that, and nothing against people with money. I'm not one of these like I'm not Elizabeth uh, Warren here. I want your money, <laughs> but so I'm not hating rich people, but who's who's at a Super Bowl? Couple a couple of thousand of the richer fans. It's not like the average guy's not there. He doesn't get to see his team in the biggest game, which kind of sucks. It does, and it's not fair. I mean, you're right. They they only allocate a certain amount of tickets for the fans, and even that, I have a funny feeling, is rigged also to get people who want to get there. Uh, I so say, if you want to get in, you'll get in because you'll, you'll pay the money to get in. But uh, I don't. I, the Super Bowl is more of an event. It's that one day, you know, and they, the NFL plays it up with the week and all the other the caravan that comes up to it. But uh, it's pretty much the case that the Super Bowl, everyone knows it. Everyone knows that it's so corporate almost that it's not even like people aren't like, oh man, I wish I was at that Super Bowl today. People really don't I, like. They don't really like. You get some hardcores. Oh my God, I'm going to the Super Bowl. But the average guy. The Super Bowl is such a big entertainment production and not a football game almost that the average guy doesn't even really want to go to the Super Bowl. I agree. I had a chance to go to one Super Bowl uh, in 91. Didn't work out. Uh, the giant that uh, the Scott Wharton Norwood missed uh, gave. Yeah, I had a chance Tampa. to go to that game. Yeah, and uh, that didn't work out for me. Other than that, I don't care. You know, uh, if, even if the Cowboys are playing in the Super Bowl, uh, I wouldn't want to go because I don't think I'd be able to see as well as I could see it on TV anyway. But... Uh, I mean, I guess for the Super Bowl, though, in generally in the NFL, it's a big advantage for the home team, right? And so I guess that's why they wanted a neutral site. They don't want the, you know, the home team to have that big of an advantage unless, you know, hey, the home field happens to be the, uh, the, the, the team that goes. In baseball, it's still seven games. You split it up. It's funny. They uh, always say that really in baseball, home field doesn't mean as much, yet it clearly does here. I mean, if, if you're playing in the cold and you're a warm-weather team or a bunch of wusses that get freaked out in 43-degree weather – and you got to play more games there than it did matter, right? Like, if you're the Dodgers, it's almost, well, win more games during the regular season, play less cold games. It certainly matters because most National League teams don't have a DH to play in the American League parks. Yep. Well, it's not a very yep. good DH. Playing in Fenway Park, I mean, you got the wall, you got the triangle, you got the little wall on right. Exactly. And around. I mean, it's, it's a difficult park to play in if you've never been there before. So uh, there's definitely Yankee Stadium. You, got, you need left-handers for that short porch and right. You know, when you go to Houston, you want the, you got that short porch and left. There are every stadium, I shouldn't say everyone, but most stadiums have an advantage towards the home team, and they tailor their team to take advantage of the 81 games they're going to play there. Yeah, they have a, they have, there's always a little niche for each each lineup. I'm looking right now on Twitter. I don't see it yet, uh, especially with it being a little bit later. Um, the, um, the, the Red Sox lineup yet today, even though I thought Cora tipped his hand earlier in the morning, George, or whenever it was. Uh, with his comments about, uh, they asked, is Mookie Betts going to play second? Is Mookie Betts playing? And is Mookie Betts playing second base? He said, well, he's not starting at second base. And, you know, I think basically J.D. Martinez could be the one out here tonight with the injury. And it's crazy because Boston is going to lose a good player tonight. They, there was a lot of talk about, all right, we're going to get Mookie Betts to second base. I'm surprised they don't trust him there in the end. You know, he's Mookie Betts. He has played second base before. He was a second baseman uh, as a youngster before. What did you make of the Mookie playing second base? And do you think it's a liability that they're like, you know what? Because I, I, I figured that they were like, maybe we'll play him at second. I was like, why wouldn't they just play him at second? The guy's a hell of an athlete. Um, Mookie Betts, I saw him saying that he takes infield practice every day, George Dell, because he likes keeping his hands. It helps his coordination, he says. So he's not just, uh, you know, flagging balls back there. What did you make of that Betts at second base stuff? 
Oh, uh, when they were thinking about it earlier in the week, I had no problem with it for the reasons you mentioned. I think it'd be fine. Then when you hear, you know, J.D. Martinez got the gimpy ankle, could barely run on Wednesday. I'm not so sure you want him in the outfield. That could be a liability out to him chasing balls out there. Maybe you do have to sit him for a game, just save him for a pinch hitting appearance later in the game. Uh, it's a shame. Uh, listen, I'm a proponent of a DH in both leagues. I hate the pitcher batting. I think it's idiotic. Most of these pitchers can't hit. They look foolish up there. Not what I want to see. Dodgers need to take advantage of it. All right, we're going to take a quick uh, break. We'll keep on talking World Series baseball. We'll go to the phone lines, too. I believe our main man, Bob, from Vermont, wants to step up and end. We'll open up the lines for you guys as well. Game Time Decisions continues. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844 844- 843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day. Game time decisions. Red Heat and Rage Radio. George Kurtz in for Cam Stewart. I am Gable Morency. Shout out to our boy Yang who brought me uh, some chopped cheese uh, today. I got to dig into that uh, a little bit uh, later on. He brought it right after I crushed a grilled cheese. There's only so much cheese one man can take uh, back to back. But uh, Yang's the man. Uh, George Kurtz in. Uh, Babana will join us in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll get to the phone lines in a second uh, here. Um, but something interesting about this World Series as well is, you know, we talked, George, about the uh, the Dodgers being unable to cash in. Runners in scoring position has been a big problem for them. Uh, it has been for a couple of years now, but... You look at the Red Sox, amazing. Red Sox have scored 12 runs through two games in a World Series. Nine of the 12 runs, uh, George, scored with two freaking out, man. It's unbelievable. Nine of the 12 runs with two out. It's an unforgiving lineup. I mean, no matter where you go in there, they're going to have someone who can hit the ball. You, got, you need to take advantage of that bottom three, seven, eight, nine. Those guys you have to get out. Because once you get to that top of the lineup, Betts, Benatendi, Martinez, I mean – I know it's a saying that we say too much, but these are professional hitters. They're going to put the ball in play, and generally they're going to put it in play hard. So, uh, you know, it's a difficult lineup, man. As a Yankee fan, we saw that firsthand. Well, I shouldn't say we, but they saw it firsthand. It's hard to navigate around all those hitters. And, um, you know, it's sort of like third down conversions, this stuff. I mean, that's the way I look at it. How you doing on third down? Or, you know, it's almost like they're ahead of the sticks, actually. But how about this, guys? The Red Sox are batting 425 with two outs in, in this World Series. They're 17 for 40. 17 for 40, 425 batting average with two outs. That's just unbelievable. Um, one thing, though, we should note about um, uh, about uh, Porcello. Porcello gave up 10 home runs and 18 home starts this year. Gave up 17 home runs on the road. So Porcello on the road, a little shakier. The Dodgers going to have that power uh, back in the lineup, but they're going to have to... Uh, and I don't, I don't like that about the Dodgers. And I've been arguing with Corey about this, and I'm trying to, like, get it through to him that, George, you can't win just hitting home runs. Like, the Yankees hit the most home runs in the league. The Dodgers hit the second most. The Dodgers were lucky to beat the Brewers like that. 
Dodgers would have, like, would get out hit. There was one game, I think they had, like, four hits, but two of them were home runs and they won the game. You can't rely on the long ball in the postseason, man. You're you're facing against better pitchers. You can't. You're not going to hit as many home runs. You know, it, and the Dodgers have morphed into an American League style team, George, and it's costing them right now. And it's weird because the Red Sox, to me, have always been a prototypical AL team with that fence and the monster and sort of fat guys and stuff. Not anymore, man. And that's why they're so dangerous. You know, Mookie Betts gets on first base, and boom, he goes from first to third on a single. Or he scores, pass ball, next thing you know, he's home. These guys wreck havoc on the base pass, George. I believe they led the American League in uh, stolen bases. I'm not 100% sure on that. They were certainly up there with it. Before you started that, I was going to say, the Dodgers are the Yankees of the uh, the National League. Exactly. I, I believe they led the NL in home runs, and I agree with you. That's great during the regular season when you're beating up on a lot of bad pitching, bad bullpens. In the postseason, you're facing generally – Maybe not ace after ace after ace, but really good starting pitching and real, a really good bullpen. That's why these teams are in the postseason. You know, so yeah, the pitching's much better here. So you're not going to hit all those home runs. It's great to play Earl Weaver baseball and play for a three-run home run. But if that's all you have and you can't manufacture a run, one thing I've been on the Yankees about forever is getting quality outs. You know, runner on second, ground ball to second base. Move them over. Sacrifice fly. Not just home run or strikeout. The three true outcomes. Home run, strikeout, walk. That's what a lot of these teams seem to do here, and the Dodgers seem to be caught up in this. Porcello, I mean, it's kind of weird, right? You would think he'd give up more home runs than Fenway. Short ball, you know, short dimensions, the, yeah, the yeah, monster yeah, there, yeah. but he has more problems on the road. Strange. Uh, I wonder, though, I know what, listen, I know the Dodgers are a home run team, but still, Dodger Stadium, Chavez Ravine, not exactly known as a home run ballpark. I wonder if Porcello gets a, will feel more comfortable pitching there. All right, let's go to the phone lines. The pipelines are open, and uh, we're going to line them up. we got Bob in Vermont, Nathan in Jersey, Joe in Buffalo, Big Mike from New York. Let's start with uh, Bob from Vermont. What's going on, Bob? How you doing hey, this afternoon? Hey, Corey. What's going on, hey, Bob? I see George Kurtz likes the Dallas Cowgirls, too, right? Yeah, he's like Corey. He's a, he's a, cow, he's a Cowgirl fan. I know. <laughs> I'm a Giant fan, George. I'm sorry. Where's George from originally? So, you know what? Uh, I see that the Jet players were telling Giant fans to join them. Yeah. They were saying, you know what? The uh, Giants no, are terrible. Why don't, said- why don't you become a Jet? Like, I saw the Jet players saying that we, we see Giant fans are frustrated. You can come to see us. Are you gonna ju- you jumping on the Jet bandwagon? No. I like my Giants, though. My brother says the Jets are going to beat the Bears this week. I don't know if they they're beat they're the Bears, but the I think they can hang around. The I think they can cover the eight points. And then um, Michael said the uh, Jets got the receiver from the uh, Cowboys. You know that? The receiver from the Cowboys? Who oh, what receiver from the Cowboys? Yeah, uh, Butler. His name is Butler. Are you talking about oh, Martavis yeah. Bryant? No, no, Butler. Bryce Butler. Bryce 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 oh, Bryce Bubba. Okay, Bryce Bubba. I, yeah, I Bryce didn't hear you. Bubba. Sorry. Yeah. That's a great name, yeah, Bryce Bubba. I didn't Bubba. know his name either. I forgot Butler. his name. Butler. I don't follow the cowgirl. <laughs> yeah, I like I like that Bubba. <laughs> and then I think the Red Sox, Michael, they they'll probably win it in um five. Who who the Red Sox gonna win the in five? <laughs> yeah. All right, Bob. Good stuff, Bob. Hey, have a have a nice night, well, Bob. I'll talk to you. You gonna be on Sunday morning? Now, you know, I normally am. They're, the boys will be on, but I'm on the road this week, so I won't be in studio this week and I'll be back Monday morning. Where are you going to? I'm going to Toronto. All right, have fun. I want to go see that uh, Toronto Stadium. 
Yeah, Toronto's a nice, great, great city. It's very, very similar to New York, but uh, no, I'm yeah, recording. Yeah, Montreal, too. I'm recording a like record, Bob. Heavy metal record. Your shirt's, re- your shirt's very nice. Thank you, I Bob. I like the Expo shirt. Thanks, Bob. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. All right, there's Bob. Bye now. And Bob, Bob's one of a kind, George. He's interested in your itinerary. He cares about you. Yeah, I know, I know. He does. And I, we care about Bob. All right, Nathan, Nathan's in New Jersey, and you know what? Nathan's actually is a Cowboy fan. What's up, Nathan? Yo, what's up? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you, Nathan. Uh, I'm at the gym, so <laughs> bear with me. No problem, uh, no problem. George Kurtz is with George, us. George George is a Cowboy fan. Yo, George, how about some Cowboys? Yeah. Yeah, let's... Uh... Yeah, George, see, George uh, is a realist. See, Nathan, you call in and Corey, Corey's like, you know, he should be a, he should be a cowgirl, a cheerleader. He's got the pom-poms, and he's like, yeah. everything's fine. George is, yeah. like, more of a realist. Like, you bring up the Cowboys, yeah. and his face sort of winces. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah, I got I was going to talk about fantasy, but uh, since you guys talk about baseball, uh, George, do you think we're going to get Machado the Yankees? I don't. Uh, I think Machado may have, played, uh, may have talked his way out of New York when he said uh, he's not going to change his ways, not going to try hard. I mean, Cashman has to know that, uh, although I don't think it bothers him as being a player, but when you say that out loud, the fans here are going cr- to crush him. The first night he goes 0 for 4 and doesn't right. run out a ground ball, he's going to hear booze from now until uh, the end of the season. I, yeah, and I he's not Stanton either. He'll mouth off back. Yeah. Like, he'll, Machado will tell people off after the game, George. And, like, it gets, I don't think the, yeah, I don't it, think, plus, I think the Yankees need a left-handed bat, and I, Machado doesn't yeah, so, fit that, although they do need think, a shortstop. So do you think Harper is most likely then, Harper? I think Harper's a yes, but they're going to have to move Stanton then. You know, can they trade Stanton yeah. and not eat most of that salary? Because I don't know if you, you – know, you don't really need an outfield. you got Judge, 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 Hicks, Stanton. Sooner or later, Gary Sanchez has to go to DH. So that eats right. up that position. So you have too many spots there for too little people. So uh, I think Harper, they'd like to have him. I think they would want to pay him. And he's the exact opposite of Machado. What do we get on Harper for? He tries too hard, runs into walls, doesn't know when to yeah. slow down. I'll and tell you what, though, guys – you know, Nathan, you're talking about all these big bats and star players. If you really want to get better, if you're the Yankees, yeah. you need pitching. Yeah, you, 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 you led the league in, in home runs. You don't need, oh, we got to get this guy. We got to. I get it. They're out there. You make a play for them. But as George just mentioned, I don't know if you're going to have to trade someone if you get a pitcher. Because I tell you, George, yeah. the, and thanks, Nathan. Thanks for the call. The um, George, the free agent pitching pool isn't that deep, actually. It's not like, oh, we can just throw money at this guy or that guy. They're going to have to get creative, and they need arms. I don't care how many home runs you hit. You can't win in the playoffs with the Yankee pitching staff. Well, one way to get a – if you're looking for a pitcher for the Yankees, one thing they could do, if you think about it, you you sign Machado, you put him at third base, and you trade Andohar. Andohar would have value. Young player might get you a pitcher. You may have to add something else in there, but if you could find a pitcher, he would have value. The only pitcher on the free agent market that really makes sense for the Yankees would be Patrick Corbin. And he's from New Jersey, I believe, wants to pitch here. Yeah. He would make sense, but he's not an ace. He's more Is he a needle two. mover? Exactly. That's He's another Jay Hop. He's better than Hop, but he's in that similar mold. Yeah. He's, not, he's not someone that's going to win you a, a World Series, but he's better than he's certainly better than what they have. All right, let's go to uh, Joe, where uh, my Buffalo Bills are playing the Patriots on Monday night. Dear God, really? Do we have to? Can we flex that game? Could like, someone else take it? What's up, Joe? Good evening, fellas. Thanks for taking my call. All good, Joe. How you doing, man? You got a trade? I'm good. Bill's Mafia. You're going to uh, get crushed Monday, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah. At least we'll have, yeah, have fun in the, in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got – I'm developing this man crush over Raheem Mostert. 
and I'm about to. I was off. I was gonna offer Mark Ingram from Ulster. I got Zeke, James White, and uh, yeah, Ingram's my third back. What do you What do you think, Georgia Ingram? Uh, what, I don't know. What What do you think of this? No, no, you're not making this deal. Ingram, uh, exactly. Hard. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram's reliable. Yeah, you know, he's, he's he. You know what you're gonna get from Mark Ingram. Don't I don't like jumping on the trendy the trendy player of the week. No, don't listen. If you want to trade Ingram, fine. You can do better than Moster. I mean, Moster's a he's a journeyman. This is not a young prospect. A young guy just drafted who has upside here. He's a, he's been on the NFL for quite a while now. He's nothing special. He's hot right now. Ingram is better overall. Although I don't think this is going to be a great week for Ingram. I don't. And the no, thing is with Ingram no. too, he's going to be big all year. Like some teams, they, they fade. You don't know what you're going to get from them. You know he's going to get touches all the way through to the final game. Every game is going to be critical, and he's going to be in the mix. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be going there. Uh, thanks. Uh, and, you know, listen, if you're a fan of a guy, just watch him. You know, or play him in a DFS lineup, but don't sabotage a team uh, for, for the sake of it. Let's go to a big, uh, where are we going? Big Mike, New York. What's up, Big Mike? Yo, Gay, what's good with you, my dude? Rolling, rolling. Yeah. What's on your mind? Let me, let me Before I get to my point, let me ask you a quick question. Who's your college basketball team? I'm sorry. What we got our producer talking in our head at the same time. Thanks, Yang. Go ahead, there, Mike. That's cool. <laughs> Who, who's your college basketball team, Gabe? Michigan. Gabe, listen. I want you to pull a Corey Parsons. Okay, this is what I want you to do. Right now, I want you to jump on the St. John's bandwagon. Cause listen, <laughs> we're going to be nice this year. All right? You listen. We're in your backyard. You live in New Jersey now. You come to our games. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. Nice. So, Gabe. All right, perfect. So, Gabe, I'm just calling real fast. Uh, just just saw on Twitter. I don't know if you spoke about this yet because I just tuned in. Uh, what's going on with the NHL making a, an announcement about sports gambling? Like, is this about a partnership, do you think? or? Nah, you know, I was confused by this, too. I was I was suckered in, and I thought that Will Hill had a sports book at the Prudential Center now, that they were going to be taking bets. And I think it's just sort of a sports bar lounge where you can bet on the app, and they're going to have, like, computers there and stuff. So, I, you know, I'm a little confused by this. It's baby steps. You know, the Las Vegas Golden Knights have a deal with Will Hill as well. Look, the NBA just signed a deal with MGM. I haven't really seen them pushing it too much, though, right now. The day will come, Joe, where we go to a game and we'll be betting at the game. Like, you'll be able to bet on the app now at a game. But I was under the impression that they had the the, the bets, the, the betting window at the Prudential Center like they do in England uh, at the soccer games. But it's coming, man. It's coming. I don't know how the hell it's just they didn't just – make this a national sports law. You know, the fact that you know, states are jumping through hoops, no one's going to stop it right now. I can't believe, and thanks thanks for calling, John. I can't believe how slow New York is um, on this, George. They're dropping the ball. Like, New Jersey's making like $170 million a month on this right now. If I'm the NHL, I would have done just what you said. I mean, you're the NHL. You're behind baseball, football, basketball. You're behind soccer. You know, I mean, ESPN shows poker over you for crying out loud. You need to do anything you can. I would have gone... I mean, heads first into this. And uh, don't what you said, open up windows there at the at every NHL stadium. Any NHL stadium, you can make it legal at and go for it. Yep. That's what I would have done if I was the It NHL. adds to the fan experience. It doesn't mean everyone's going to bet on the game. Probably about 10% of the people in the arena will say, oh, I'll lay it down. But when I heard this, the first thing I thought, George, is like, damn, I got to get out to the special center. Like, I was more NHL, interested in checking out the betting windows at the stadium, the game, than the actual st- the arena. It's the NHL. They have nothing to lose. They need to do anything they can. That's why having them, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, be the first team in Vegas was great for the NHL, and it worked out great. Yep. They should keep doing stuff like this. I know. They have nothing to lose. What could, what could be the worst thing that could happen? And you know what? Uh, Base, baseball actually wants to get into the gaming uh, scene more. Basketball is really close. 
I bet you in the end, it'll be the NBA. They'll be the first ones that have windows at the games. Mark Cuban wants this. It's funny, I was at a network years ago, and we had NBA rights, and uh, my boss told me at the time there was a meeting, and they were talking about gambling. And our network said, listen, we put the point spreads, just uh, Commissioner Stern, just to let you know so you don't get surprised when you see point spreads on the screen. He goes, I can live with that. And uh, he goes, I don't like it. I can live with that. And the second Stern left the room, they basically told him, listen, we're all pro gambling here. Dave's a little slow on this, but we're going in a direction. What happened the second the silver took over? Gambling, gambling, gambling. Mark Cuban's not dumb. He knows the popularity of the NFL is tied to gambling and to fantasy, and he wants to tie this into the NBA as well. Uh, Big Cat from Canada. What's up, Big Cat? Hey, Gabe. How's it going, buddy? Hey, always a pleasure. What's rolling, man? Long time no here. I haven't chatted with you guys since the score network. Yeah, we're still alive. We're still alive and kicking. One thing, Cam's usually here with us, but he's off. He's, he's got some personal business to attend to today, but we've been doing our thing every day for 17 years, Big Cat. Loving the, loving the show. Listen to it every day. Just wanted to ask you a couple quick questions, switching over to the NBA. Yeah. Uh, get get your thoughts on a Houston 1-3 and three start, and with the Lakers winning back-to-back, have they turned the corner? Yeah, you know what? I think the Lakers sort of have turned the corner in a sense that they broke the ice. They broke the ice. That was a nice comeback win. I was wrong. I had Denver last night. And, you know, they're going to be getting Rondo back. They're going to be getting Ingram back. LeBron is starting to get a little bit more comfortable right now. Uh, he's learning his teammates. I'm critical of LeBron, but come on, it's a weekend here. He's figuring out who can play, who can't play, who should I pass it to, who shouldn't I pass it to. So there's a trust factor uh, going. I still think the Lakers are who they are. You know, Lakers are a six seed, a seven seed. They're going to battle again in the playoffs. The league will sort of push them to get in. And as far as the Rockets are concerned, you know, the Rockets have been playing analytics ball for a couple of years now, and it's worked for them. You know, they lose Mbute. They lose Ariza. If they bring Jimmy Butler in, they're going to be a competitive team. But my deal with the Rockets, Big Cat, is they can win regular season games. And like we've been George talking about hitting home runs, James Harden doesn't play defense. And I get it. You know, a lot of people don't play defense, but he's, like, beyond not playing defense. And it's a problem. Like, if you're dropping 28, but the guy you're guarding is dropping 27, it's, you know, what's the game here? What are we doing? Like, if Harden really wants to be the star like he says he wants to be, he's got to play a little D. Otherwise, they ain't going to win. Uh, thanks for the call and the kind words, Big Cat. Game time Have a good best wish of the game, yeah. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Game Time Decisions. I see uh, we got breaking news for you here. The news that you need. Fergie. The singer Fergie. Fergie's ex-husband on Draymond Green not being a real man. And how he's a, a prick for mocking Fergie during her national anthem um, last year when she sucked and she was terrible during the national anthem. And basically Draymond Green smirked. He never ripped her. He smirked like he basically made a face during her anthem. And now her husband is uh, calling uh, calling Draymond out. And 
really, I'm you know, I'm not Draymond Green's biggest fan. He he upsets me sometimes, but I wouldn't mind Draymond Green knocking a crap out of Fergie's husband for running his mouth here, George. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't bother me in the least. I might even pay to see it. I know, like really, Fergie's husband? You got a problem with Draymond Green of all people? <laughs> And how long ago did this happen? It was like last year. It's like Draymond. The Draymond's going to say, "Who? What? Who, who? What are you talking about?" We're Fer- bitching about it now. Fergie's husband. All right. Uh, listen, we're going to get Babano on in a second. Sports. Uh, um, uh, rightwager.com, sportsbookreview.com's uh, YouTube page. Babano, but Julio in Chicago has got a couple of college games, so we'll we'll get those college games, and then uh, we could ask uh, Babano his thoughts on those games too. Is Julio there in Chicago? What's up, Julio? Sports Rage, Gabe, always good to talk to you, my friend. Hey, always good, bro. How you doing today? Uh, doing well. Getting my voice prepared for uh, Windy City Bulls G League announcing next week and college basketball beginning oh, nice. in two weeks. You're doing the G Great League, too. To you're doing the, yeah, G, doing League. the nice. G League. Man, you're, you're climbing yeah, I, the ladder fast. I told you a couple of years ago, you're climbing the ladder fast. I'm doing what I can, just grinding like you, sir. Hey, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, he's a play-by-play voice here, George. Does uh, some college basketball now in the G League. Great stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, we'll be getting you on as a guest to get some insight as soon as the college season starts. So what you got for us today, Julio? Absolutely. Well, last night in college football, it looked like the overs were, were raking it in, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see the same tonight. A uh, couple of games, I know Florida Atlantic looks interesting with the number. Contemplating Boston College at plus three and a half against Miami. I think they're going to be pretty pumped up for that game. I'd like to take Utah tonight against UCLA, hesitant on ten and a half. Uh, should be some interesting games, but one thing that jumped out on me on the card for tomorrow is Texas Tech at Iowa State. I believe uh, the Red Raiders are plus five and a half. Last I checked, uh, road dogs in Ames, and I have a feeling that uh, Kingsbury and company could take care of uh, the Cyclones. Yeah, interesting. Texas Tech have been a pleasant surprise. Uh, you got to give credit to Kingsbury so far. That game kind of, you know, did, didn't jump off the page at me here, but. As far as tonight, we'll ask Babano about that game. Tonight, we had Steve Merrill on earlier. And Steve uh, Steve likes Louisiana Tech tonight in this game. I was talking about Florida Atlantic and Kiffin wanting the, the kids to get out early so they can go to the game from class. You know, FAU are money burners, dude. They're 1-6 against the spread this year. It's hard to trust Florida Atlantic laying points. They were sort of the it kids last year. That Miami-Boston College game, I'm starting to talk myself into Boston College at plus 3.5 on their home field. Indiana, Minnesota, I got a pass on. I like Colorado State. I don't know what's up here. They're up to three points right now. I like the home dog there. This is going to surprise you, Julio, but I'm taking the UCLA Bruins tonight. I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, yeah, it's a weird spot for Utah to be in, and UCLA are starting to cover some numbers now, especially as an underdog. You know, they, they had that nice win against Cal. They beat Arizona by a single point. I was on Arizona plus the points, but, you know, they covered against uh, – they covered against uh, against Washington. I think UCLA on a little bit of a roll. Give me the double digits tonight with the Bruins. And, you know, you bring up a great point about Colorado State being uh, home underdogs. Wyoming, for some reason, they're unable to score any they points They score 14 the points the a game. Yeah, they score 14 points a game, but now they're three-point road favorites? I don't get this number. Yeah, I don't. It's a rivalry game. Yes, the border war. I've covered the two border wars 
It's a fantastic Rocky Mountain rivalry, but Wyoming just cannot put any points on the board. I would, I, I may lean with you and take the and take the Rams in that affair. Uh, and also tomorrow, Northwestern. They've got a big game next week, but an even bigger game in conference, home against Wisconsin. I wouldn't be surprised if there are a lot of Badger fans in attendance, but for some reason, Northwestern. That I'm I'm, I'm leaning towards taking the Cats tomorrow and potentially covering indoor a uh, winning outright. Hey, tune into the crew tomorrow. We got a special treat tomorrow on the college football show. Of course, I'm not here this weekend, uh, but they've got Marshall Falk uh, going to be in studio uh, breaking it down. But I can tell you, Julio, two games I'm looking at right now. Um, I'm looking at taking the Florida Gators plus the points in that cocktail party, but even more so, I like Kentucky. Kentucky getting seven and a half. They're much more physical than Missouri. I think Missouri are being a little overvalued here. I think Kentucky can win this game outright, but I really like the seven and a half points with Kentucky. That's one college game that really, uh, really gets my eye. I'll hit more calls tonight, and I'll be posting it on Twitter in the morning. Julio, we got to get it over to Babano. Thanks for the call, Julio. Take care, Rage, and good luck on that shortage in Ontario, man. Hopefully you find some uh, flowers for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm a little concerned going there. We, we better find something. So uh, there's Julio in Chicago. Babano, speaking of Ontario, joins us. Rightwager.com and uh, Sportsbook Review. Babano, what's up, Babano? Uh, doing good, Gabe. Always a fun weekend when there's a lot of football to break down. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. The World Series, got NBA, got NHL hockey. Our phone lines have been, uh, you know, jamming for the last half hour here. A lot of stuff, busy, busy time. So uh, tonight's college football, and I'll ask you about that Tennessee Tech game that he just asked about. George Kurtz with us in for Cam Stewart. Um, so Louisiana, what do you think of the college games tonight? With Louisiana Tech, Florida Atlantic, Miami, Florida, Boston College, Indiana, Minnesota, Wyoming, Colorado State, and Utah, UCLA. Yeah, no, Miami Boston College, I'm leading Boston College just a little bit. Uh, Miami, I'm just never quite sold on them going up to these kind of colder weather, northeast U.S. elements and playing well. I remember them going to Pitt last year, and they didn't react well uh, to play in this cold weather uh, environment. Uh, and that's definitely a concern I've got uh, with taking uh, Miami on the road in that game. Plus, you got Mark Rick going back and forth the last few weeks between Nicozy Perry and Malik Rozier at quarterback. He's not settled on any guy. You know, you got to be able to move points or move the ball and put up points if you're going to cover his road chalk. And BC's getting AJ Dillon back, and he means everything to this offense because this is a limited passing attack with Anthony Brown. So, I kind of lean BC. The ones that I'm really on more than anything tonight, Gabe, in college football is Indiana, Minnesota over. There's going to be some rain in Minnesota. It's a little bit of a concern. No wind, though, and that's always the bigger factor to me when it comes to overs. you got two subpar defenses, two defenses that have really been struggled, struggling and ripped apart the last few weeks. you got Peyton Ramsey, who I think can throw the ball against this Minnesota secondary, which really uh, got ripped apart last week by Nebraska. And on the flip side, I think Minnesota's going to be able to move the ball a little bit on the ground because Indiana – Sometimes it's had struggles stopping it. So a little inclement weather, but I still think we see a higher scoring game there. And I definitely like Louisiana Tech getting the points against Florida Atlantic. Louisiana Tech's been a great road dog under Skip Holtz. 12-3 ATS, last 15 tries as a road underdog for Louisiana Tech under Holtz, including this year, 2-0 and against the spread as a road dog at LSU in North Texas. And they took LSU right down to the wire. That was a very, very close, hard-fought escape for LSU uh, against Louisiana Tech. Jamar Smith's a good quarterback. Florida Atlantic has had bad quarterback play all year. They just lost their best defensive player to a season-ending injury at linebacker last week. It's been a poor tackling, bad defense all season long. The shell of last year's FAU team and Louisiana Tech, I think, 
to win this game outright, and I'll take the three and a half, four. Babano, uh, grabbing the points. All right, uh, quickly on college, let's get an NFL. More people are into the NFL. They're listening to us uh, right now. We'll have the college show in the morning. Uh, quickly, any Saturday college games before we get to the NFL, Babano, and then, of course, the World Series tonight. So any, any, any college catch your eye tomorrow you want to share? Yeah, college football, uh, the Air Force plus 10, kind of interesting to me against Boise. Uh, Boise's had a hard time with Air Force in recent years. Uh, if you look back, 5-1 and one against the spread uh, for the Falcons against the Broncos in the last six meetings. Okay, they pummeled Colorado State at home last week. It was a very, very impressive win for Boise, and I liked Colorado State there. But now that you get Boise on the road in Colorado Springs, it's going to be cold environment there. And Boise, last time they were on the road against Nevada, laying points, they escaped with a four-point win, 31-27. They've suffered some defensive injuries. Brett Rippon and company looked great last week. They still gave up, what, 28 points to Colorado State uh, in that game last week. I think they're going to struggle here on the road against that triple option. And Air Force has given Boise everything they could handle and then some in recent years. So I like Air Force there. Uh, plus the points. Uh, NC State, Syracuse should be a higher scoring game. Syracuse might is actually looking like they're going to change quarterbacks, which is hard to believe coming into the season, thinking how good Eric Dungy could be. But they're looking at Tommy DeVito as the quarterback uh, in this game against NC State. Uh, Dungy did not play well at all against North Carolina. Dino Babers is looking for a spark. Uh, I think Dino Babers, too, realizes that NC State's very good up front. Their defensive line's good. It can stop the run. And it's a more of a run-oriented offense with Dungy at quarterback, whereas with DeVito at quarterback, they're going to be looking to air it out more and maybe expose the weakness of NC State's defense if there is one. Uh, it's secondary. And I think that's why I think Syracuse is going to make the move to DeVito uh, at quarterback. But I like Ryan Finley in the NC State offense. I know they had a really tough day at the office last week against Clemson uh, on the road. Got shut down mostly, but I think they're going to be able to get their offense going a little bit in this game and move the ball. So I'm looking at that game going up in over 65 and a half. Ian Cameron, um, a.k.a. Babeno, uh, with us as he is every Friday. All right, so we already talked about the Florida, the Philadelphia and Jacksonville game a little bit, but I'll throw it to you. What do you, what do you make of that uh, Philly-Jacksonville game? Both teams have been bad against the spread. Uh, Philadelphia only covered two numbers. Jacksonville's actually a little better against the spread. They've covered three. Jacksonville have won the last three games that they've gone and played in uh, in London. They go every year, so they do have the familiarity to it. And, of course, their owner is British, and um, there are Jack fans there. Which way are you leaning with the Philly-Jacksonville game? It's only Philly or pass for me in this game, Marenzi. I want nothing to do with Jacksonville. So this, both of these teams are struggling, and I know Jacksonville's familiar with London, England. They've been there many times before. Both teams are struggling, but you know the one team that's struggling, you know, there's not dissension in the locker room. There's not finger pointing going on, and they still have a pretty competent quarterback. Last I checked, that's not the case with Jacksonville. You've got finger pointing going on. You've got some dissension, and you don't have a competent quarterback that you can rely on right now. Uh, that's the difference, and I think it's going to show in this game. I know they're both struggling, but I think there's more internal issues with Jacksonville right now than Philly. Philadelphia is really going to have to look hard in the mirror if they don't win this game because Jacksonville, completely awful last week and an absolutely big-time circled game trying to stop a losing streak at home against Houston, and they couldn't have played worse than they did. Uh, I can only look toward the Eagles there, minus three, three and a half. George, uh, let's move forward with the National Football League card. Well, let's talk about Denver KC, man. Denver last time was the only team, I guess you'd say the only team, but they kept them at 27 points, lowest total on the season here. Yeah. Any yeah. chance Denver can do that again? I mean, keep KC in check this week? 
Possible, George. I mean, I mean that, that you're right. When you look back on it, you got to give the Broncos credit for that home Monday night performance. They lost by Kansas four. City. Yeah, it was one of the better defensive efforts of the season, and there haven't been many <laughs> against Patrick Mahomes and that Chiefs offense. But Denver, you know, they battled. They got some key stops when they needed them, and were able to relatively hold Mahomes down a little bit compared to what other teams have done. I just don't trust Denver right now at all, especially on the road, Arrowhead Stadium with Case Keenum and this offense, which just has not really delivered the goods uh, more often than not. We're still talking about an undefeated point spread team. Assuming he got plus three and a half with KC against New England uh, in that Sunday night game, you're talking about an undefeated point spread team with one push at worst. And until I see signs that the markets have caught up with KC, I'm not going against them. So it's Chiefs or nothing, but I'm going to probably stay away from this game. Yeah, I feel the same way, guys. And it's, it's one thing to hang with, you know, these guys in Denver, right? The Broncos have always been a good home team and a good home dog. Another situation uh, going on the road here, but it's a tough spot to be laying as many points, I think, uh, with uh, with Kansas City. All right, um, looking at the, the other games. So Kansas City, they're getting to 10 points. The Jets, the Jets and the Bears, Babano. This this is interesting. The, the Jets have been good road dogs, actually. They didn't cover against Jacksonville, but they've been, they have been good road dogs under Todd Bowles. Meanwhile, the Bears have been good at home, too, over the last uh, year and a half or so, over the last 15 games. But, you know, they haven't been laying this many, this many points, usually. I think the point spread's a little bit too high here. It's, it's always risky taking a rookie quarterback on the road like Sam Darnold, but... I'm not sure Mitch Trubisky is any better than Sam Darnold is or by how much. I think it's a closer game. I like the Jets here plus the points. Yeah, I mean, we Sam Darnold has had some good – well, he had one really good road game and then not so many others. But, you know, Jacksonville was one, a pretty good defense. Well, back when they were playing pretty good defense – uh, so you forgive him for that. He has been good lately. I mean, the last two weeks, although both at home against Indy and Minnesota, we saw minute, uh, the Jets move the ball, put up points. Uh, I think they'll be able to do some damage here. The concern for the Jets is their secondary. It has been aw- it has been just awful and injury riddled. Uh, a combination of both the last couple weeks. They've been without Marcus May, Tremaine Johnson, and Buster Screen. That's three starting. Uh, uh, secondary players that have been missing in action for the Jets. Uh, if they don't get anybody back, Trubisky should move the ball here too in this game. I'm looking over the total. It's down to 44. I think people think that you know the Jets on the road are going to struggle. That Chicago uh, is going to have a you know a tough time moving the ball against the Jets here with Trubisky throwing a couple interceptions. If Trubisky can manage the football well and protect it better than he did last week against New England. They should move the ball a little bit against the Jets. Obviously, check for weather. Uh, but Chicago, too, has still got Khalil Mack playing at less than 100% if he does play at all in this game on Sunday. Uh, and that's a concern for their pass rush. So 44, now that this total continues to uh, tread downward, I'm going to look toward it going up and over. George? I might, I might be a little worried here about the over. Uh, you got a lot of injuries to the wide receivers here. Noom was out. Uh, Curse is healthy. Robbie Anderson may not play. Rashad Matthews just signed. Bryce Butler may be there. They're too late to mean anything. Allen Robbins is banged up for uh, Chicago, too. He returned to a limited practice today. And last week, he only had one catch of four yards before he had to leave the game. I'm not sure Sam Donald or Mr. Risky are going to have anyone to throw to in this game. I think that's why the total is going down, because the receivers are hurt. And we know with the Chicago Bears, you can't trust the running game. Jordan Howard's not doing anything. The Jets just lost Bilal Powell, too, for the season. Yep. So I think that's why your over-under is trending down here. Could be one-dimensional without Powell, George. There's no question uh, because Sam Donald's going to have to rely more on throwing the football. And without a running game that he can rely on consistently, 
We'll see how he's able to do that, particularly on the road. It may not be too easy for him. You got the other football team in New York, the New York Giants, and uh, they have to play at home. I'm sure they would almost rather be playing on the road right now, but they're not. It is what it is. And you look at Eli Manning, and the at least statistically, the better games that he's played, both of them have been on the road. He played pretty well. He put up big numbers in Carolina. He put up big numbers in Atlanta. He has struggled at home. And, you know, there's going to be pressure. The home, t- the home, the home crowd is going to turn on the Giants if, if they fall behind early here. Yet Washington, it's hard to fully trust Washington, but Bando on a weekly basis, especially on the road too. But Washington to New York, it's not the same thing as going to New Orleans. Like, it's on the East Coast. It's in their wheelhouse. We'll hit this on the other side with the Bando right now. Right wager. Com. We got a video stream going too. Yeah, we had no trolls till you showed up, Abano. You're the troll attractor. They follow I know, you. They, they follow me everywhere. They can't get enough of me. Nah, they, they, they follow me too. <laughs> they don't follow me. They never leave me. Game time decision continues. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. All right, we have a pretty interesting story here, but we'll get to this one a little bit later on. It's evidently, a woman high on meth and heroin got arrested for trying to bite off a guy's penis during a threesome. <laughs> two guys or two girls? In South Carolina, it's funny, too. It's two dudes because police say one of the men. <laughs> George, one, one of the men. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get into this uh, a little bit uh, later on. And Yeah, he deserves it. You're gonna have, it's gotta, if I'm going to have a threesome, it's got to be with two chicks. Oh, damn right. Yeah, it's got to be two chicks. Like, the threesome's not a threesome if there's another dude. Then then we're just going down a road. I don't want to go down, right? <laughs> I'm not sure I can perform if it's another dude. Yeah, you know, listen, I was in a rock band, George. So I'm not saying that, you know, I'd be in the same room as stuff going on. <laughs> uh, or bus or van. But, yeah, the the, 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 the two dudes, it's a, it's a little much. But nevertheless, we'll get, we'll get back to this. It's, it's actually a really funny story that we have. The police report is hilarious. So, um... Uh, we're in conversation with Ian Cameron, Bob Bano, uh, talking NFL football. So I was talking about the uh, the Giant and the Redskins game. Trusting the Redskins on the road is not easy, Babano, but the Giants are done, bro. And I don't think it's like the Giants are going to, not like the Giants are, are suddenly going to go on this run right now. I mean, the, the fire sale has begun. They got rid of Harrison. They got rid of Eli Apple. You know, they're, they're, people are turning on Eli Manning in the room right now. They have a couple of skill position players, but overall, the Giants are just a bad team of Bano, but Washington are hard to trust. What do you make of this one? Yeah, I don't want much to do with it, to be honest. Uh, to me, it's baffling that Washington is this cheap. Uh, I'd probably I could only play their side. Uh, did, did the Giants get some kind of, you know, bent, uh, a victory out of moral victory out of uh, being close with Atlanta? I'm not so sure. Uh, but their offense just still hasn't shown me enough. I mean, it seems to Eli Manning, he's fine for throwing the football and moving it down the field and crunch uh, when the game's already been decided, like in the final minute or two of that game on Monday night. The game's at stake. It's close. It's there in the balance, hanging in the balance. Uh, he's not getting it done whatsoever. Neither is this offense. Uh, to me, Washington, 
is the only way I'd play it. But it's off a big-time win for them at home against a division rival. They could be flat. So a game that I'm probably going to leave alone. George? I think when you see this game, though, uh, and then once again, teams banged up here. Redskins, Chris Thomas was put back on the uh, on the injury list. That's concern here. Jamison Crowder's out, so no really wide receiver threat there. They're not using Jordan Reed at all, which the fantasy versus is driving us crazy because Reed's healthy. For the first time, he's healthy, and he's still not catching balls here. The Redskins uh, showed their, their front seven is dangerous. They got through to the Cowboys and really messed up things last week, yep. and that's with, that's with an okay offensive line, good offensive line. Giants have no offensive line. Eli is going to be harassed all game here. I think this could be ugly. If the Giant players feel like the team is giving up on them, they're selling out. Got rid of Apple. Got rid of snacks. Who's next? You know, this could be this could be a problem here. It's a it's a division game. I think Gabe, you said it earlier as a joke, and it's true. I, I think the Giants wish they were on the road here. No, I mean if, it. I mean it. Like the pressure, they're better off on the road, Jordan. I was at that last game. It was ugly. Like, and people are like, they're the genuinely team. angry. If this wasn't a division game, I think this would be a wipeout. The Giants would get crushed. The fact that it is a division game versus a hated rival, maybe the Giants must have uh, something up. But I, I, I agree. I'm not touching this game because I don't think the Redskins have the, uh, the manpower to really blow anybody out or take control of the game. If they do win this game and Philadelphia loses, then it's real. Then this, this is starting to become real with Washington and what they're doing. Uh, Seattle and Detroit's an interesting game, uh, Babano. It's not often, you know, I, every, I've been talking about this on a weekly basis, actually. I think the demise of the Seattle Seahawks is a little greatly exaggerated. They're a new team. They're a younger team. But I'm getting Russell Wilson plus three against Matthew Stafford. And I know it's just not quarterback versus quarterback. But Jenny and even Pete Carroll, I'm getting these guys plus three against, uh, against Stafford, who's never been a good favorite. And, in fact, he's the worst favorite statistically out of any quarterback with 100 or more starts in the NFL right now. And I know the Lions have covered five weeks in a row since the Jet game. So I tip my cap to them for that, but they've been underdogs. Now you're asking me to, they got to win the game. I think Seattle go in there. Give me the points. It's going to be a close one. Whoever has the ball last. I'm taking Russell Wilson plus the points here, Babano. Yeah, Seattle's off a bye. That's the good news if you like Seattle. Bad news is they're playing a 10 a.m. Pacific early start game. Uh, and they've fared very poorly with better versions of the Seattle Seahawks in years past than this year's team. Uh, it's tough. I mean, Detroit has really had a schedule that's benefited them. I mean, the Miami win's not so impressive anymore after what we saw from the Dolphins last night. But their offense is impressive. And, and I think they're going to be able to put up points in this game with Matt Stafford, with Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. That's a good receiving trio now the Lions have. And here's Kerryon Johnson, who's emerging as maybe the best running back they've had in over a decade at least. Maybe going back to Barry Sanders could yeah, it be maybe. with him because he's looked fantastic. And finally, they're giving him more touches and more carries than LeGarrette Blunt, which I think is the right move. And what did he do? He rewarded them for, what, 185 yards rushing uh, last week against Miami. Not going to be as easy. Uh, this week against Seattle's D, but I think he's. I think this offense is very, very dangerous now. But this Detroit defense stinks. I mean, they're they're not good. Uh, Darius Slay is really the only good uh, playmaker I like on that side of the ball for the Lions. They probably will get Ezekiel Lanza back. Uh, he's the only guy that can really rush the quarterback. Nobody else can uh, on this Lions defense. I see points in this game. It's indoors. Weather won't be a factor at Ford Field. Over 49 is the way I'm going to go. I think the problem in this game is uh, Detroit's been uh, – they have trouble stopping the run. I don't think Snacks is going to have enough time to really impact that that much this week. I think Slay will take Baldwin out of the game somewhat. Russell Wilson not running like we expect him to run. I don't know why. Is that a game plan for Seattle? Keep him healthy. Don't take yeah. those hits. I think they told uh, him to slow it down, actually, George. They did. 
But I, I think that's I think you have to let him run. You have to you have to move the ball here because they can't do it consistently through the air. Detroit is not the Detroit Lions of old. They have a good running game now, and the receiving core is maybe the best they've had in years. Uh, I agree. I mean, uh, Marvin Jones right now, your number three receiver. Galladay is that good. Golden Tate in the slot here. I think this is a close game. I forget which one of you said it. Whoever has the ball last wins. I agree. It's not a game I would touch. I think there will be points put up on the board, though, here. Somewhere in the 27-24 range. Uh, the Bano, Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. Cincinnati Cincinnati loses that game to uh, to Pittsburgh. A real heartbreaker. It always happens to them. They find a way to lose into the Steelers. Then they KC. I like Cincinnati last week. I obviously misread that game. They got blown out, and, you know, there was not much they could do about it. Yet, I still believe that Cincinnati are a good team. Yet, I, you, know, you can't deny, Andy Dalton has had bigger success. His best month is always September. And then he sort of regresses as the year goes on. Now you get Tampa Bay rolling in here. The numbers come down a little bit. What do you make of this? To me, if Cincinnati's a playoff game and they're a real team, then they handle their business here. If they lose this game, then the same old Bengals. What do you make of this? Well, if Andy Dalton regresses any further, Gabe, in this game, he might as well just end the season right now for the Cincinnati Bengals because from a defensive perspective, this Tampa Bay team is horrendous. I mean, they really are that bad on the defensive side of the football. They've already fired Mike Smith, uh, their defensive coordinator. It's been a bottom-tier NFL defense uh, all season long. And now to make matters worse, the injuries are mounting on an already bad defense uh, and now you're dealing with some key injuries on that side of the ball. Vinny Curry downgraded to out for this game. He's going to miss another game. Gerald McCoy going to miss another game. They lose their best linebacker, one of their best players all around on this defense, Quan Alexander, uh, in the game last week to injury ACL uh, out for the season. Vernon Argrave still hasn't played a game yet on in this bad uh, Bucks secondary. This has to be a good game for Andy Dalton, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd. A.J. Green uh, and this Bengals offense. I know they've lost two in a row, but they never beat Pittsburgh, uh, and Pittsburgh needed a last-second play from Ben D'Antonio Brown to beat them. And no shame in losing to Kansas City on the road. Obviously, they don't want to get blown out to that extent, uh, but Kansas City's the uh, juggernaut right now. We all know that. I think this is a get-well game for Andy Dalton and the Cincinnati Bengals. They're now 4-3. and three. They need to stop the bleeding. They've got a manageable opponent that I think they can stop the bleeding against, if I'm playing this game, I'm laying it with the home favorite, Cincinnati, minus three and a half. Bob Bano, Ian Cameron, rightwager.com. You got another game you want to throw, George? Let's throw Indianapolis and the Raiders, man. Uh, do the Raiders care? Have, are they no, done? Like, I love the Colts in this game. This is my best bet of the week, George. I agree. I think the Raiders, I don't think the Raiders, listen, you trade Cooper. They were already pissed off they traded Mack, and now that they're flipping out, they traded Cooper. This team is, uh, if you're a Raider fan right now, how do you feel? Because they're playing for Vegas. So if you live in Oakland or the Oakland area, they're not playing for you. They're playing for Vegas right now. No. I think this team is done for years. They're playing you. They're playing their fans. And you talk about turmoil, uh, Babano. You talk about infighting with the Jags. You know, it's even worse for the Raiders. You hear stories that uh, Derek Carr and his teammates really don't talk all that much anymore that I think it was the anthem thing. And it all started that night of Washington last year. And I, I remember watching the game. We were doing a BetCast Live during the game, and there was something off. I even said at the time, something's not right here. And normally Derek Carr was really rah-rah in the huddle, and he talks a lot, and he wasn't. And I think it was that whole night. that he, I think you know, the word was that he, he told like he was going to kneel. The Raiders were going to kneel for the game. The old line was all going to kneel. And I guess Derek Carr was with them and said, I, I got your back. He didn't really have a choice, right? 
kind of a weird situation. It's your offensive line, who are all black. It was all African-American offensive line, and you're the white quarterback. So he said, I got your back, but then he didn't kneel. He didn't. He stood behind them. And, you know, then, of course, there were the reports that they were letting him get hit after that. And a lot of people said that's crazy talk. Yet I know for a fact that I've had linemen tell me this before, that they've done that before. So, you know, I can buy into that. And now you're getting the other word that basically they think he's soft because he cried, which I don't really, I don't know, you know, these media reports, you can never fully buy in. But one thing we do know Derek Carr and his relationship with the Raiders is not great. I don't think he gets along with Gruden very much. He does have a problem with the O-line. The O-line is beat up. Um, the Raider players, an unnamed player, said that Gruden's a liar and basically lies to them all the time about, no, no, I'm not going to do this, and he does it. Um, I guess the players asked him, are we are we in it to win it? Are, are we rebuilding? And Gruden, you know, Gruden's not winning any people over. To me, guys, and Babano, I'll give it to you. Like, the Raiders are actively trying to lose games. They're trying to tank. I, I don't disagree. I mean, there's no way I'm touching Oakland in this game. It's just a question of do I have that leap of faith in me to lay points with Indy on the road. Now, Indy, Andrew Luck's been good. Andrew Luck's been very, very good the last couple of weeks. He's chucking the ball downfield. He's got T.Y. Hilton back. I mean, this receiving core has managed to still be able to make some plays despite an offensive line that's been banged up. They've had injuries at receiver. Uh, but Andrew Luck's still playing uh, reasonably well considering all the uh, lack of talent and the injuries that have been surrounding him. Uh, and last week, even the defense played well. Now, it was Derek Anderson, 35-year-old quarterback, in front of a bad offensive line and no-skill position talent on that Buffalo team. But... There's a step in the right direction for the Colts' defense. Uh, uh, Oakland's not like their offense has been great. Their offensive line's got issues. The Colegio Samuel's been banged up. A couple other guys on that O-line have been banged up. Derek Carr was uh, under duress the entire game against Seattle before their bye. Amari Cooper gets traded. Who knows how the locker room reacts to that? They're a one-win football team going nowhere, clearly waving the white flag that they're rebuilding right now. That's not a team I'm looking to endorse right now in a price range where they're Got to win to cover the number. Uh, it's indie or nothing. I don't love it, but if I play, I look to the Colts. Same here. I think I said I think the Raiders are done. I think I wonder. You know, they're gonna say all the right things. I, I don't think they can trade Carr anyway by uh, when, by the deadline Wednesday. I don't think it can be done by four o'clock. But if he's not their quarterback in the future and they're tanking, what are they gonna do with Carr and the salary? They can sort of get out of it after next year with the minimal the minimal cap hit here, and they move on to a bear. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think um, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think Gruden. I think Gruden wants him gone. So I imagine by the draft that that would be my prediction. Like you said too, George, it's hard with a quarterback, isn't it? Like if the Buffalo Bills were a good football team, and you know you you know right, we lost our quarterback, we're in the playoff, huh? we got to do something now. Then I get it; it makes sense. But it's tough for a QB to come in and learn a system. Also, then teams are going to judge. All right, do we like Carr better? Then, like you said, you got Herbert coming out of Oregon. You've got uh, the Finley kid at NC State, Stidham. I don't think it's a great quarterback class. I personally think, George, that Derek Carr would be a good fit for the Giants. Because if you're the Giants, do you really want to draft and start over? You've got Odell Beckham. You've got Barkley right now. You've got Shepard right now. You've got Ingram right now. You know, imagine the frustration of Odell Beckham, George, if you throw another rookie quarterback out here at him. Oh, I agree. And you're talking, if you do I'll go to rookie quarterback, well, Beckham will be 29, and you're, you're wasting the entire rookie deal of Saquon Barkley as well before that rookie quarterback really becomes a decent starting NFL quarterback. Yeah, and then, the Barkley, is, then when Barkley's deal's up, he's like, screw this, I'm out of here. <laughs> the problem is this. I don't think Derek Carr's all that good. 
I don't think he's a top 12 NFL quarterback, no matter where he is. I don't think it's the Raiders that are really keeping him down. I think uh, I think he's part of the problem, and I don't think that changes no matter where he goes. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Uh, Babano, what do you think of Derek Carr? Uh, it's probably a good thing that the uh, he probably gets a change of scenery. I, I've noticed him. Uh, you know what? He's got a great arm. He can play well. He can make some big-time throws. What he's got to improve at is decision-making and realizing you don't have to force the football, especially in the red zone, when you've already got a good opportunity to at least put three points on the board. He has been plagued by that all season long, just bad decisions at horrible times in the football game when his team is either right in it or getting back into it. And then that bonehead decision from Derek Carr versus its ugly head. I think decision-making and learning the, the time and situation of a game. We know he's got physical tools are solid, but his decision-making process at key times in the game, it's struggled at times, and that's got to improve if he's going to be a legitimate upper-tier quarterback in this league. Well, Babana, we want to keep you all night. We appreciate you joining us. I know you're busy, so um, before we get you out of here, we've got about two minutes left here, but uh, World Series tonight, Dodgers in a must-win situation, obviously. Dodgers in a must-win situation. Uh, tonight with Bueller on the hill against Porcello, laying 55 cents tonight. Yeah, it's at, at this price, there's no way I'm taking L.A. I mean, I know it's at home, must win. They can't down 3 nothing this series. Boston's looked like the better team. Uh, the Dodgers, went, the way they went down with a whimper in game two, they fell behind and they just had no offense in, in the latter innings of that. and didn't even come close to mounting a rally. That doesn't bode well. It speaks volumes to me that I think there's maybe a little – depletion of confidence right now for the Dodgers, even though they are heading home. They do have a guy that's been pitching ever so good at Dodger Stadium this year in Walker Bueller. I mean, he has been uh, really good here in this ballpark. Uh, to me, this is not the price range I am comfortable in the least taking the Dodgers in. There's value to Boston, but I'm going to pass on it. It is the last stand, so to speak, it feels like for the Dodgers. Went lose this and they're done. Uh, so for that reason, I'm not going to take Boston, but I think the value from a money line standpoint is on the Red Sox side here. Four NHL games tonight, Babano. Anything catch your eye? Uh, NHL, not so much. I think it's a tricky, tricky card tonight. Uh, San Jose, Carolina is kind of interesting. Winnipeg, actually, if you want to, uh, lay the puck line maybe with the Winnipeg Jets uh, against the Detroit Red Wings. This Detroit Red Wings team is horrendous. They've only got one on the season. They played about as bad of hockey game as you can imagine against Carolina at home uh, the other night. I thought after a win... Uh, the first win of the season, the Red Wings would have a little bump up in performance, and they played a hor- horrible game just to lose. Winnipeg off a loss to Toronto, you think comes back, plays well tonight. Maybe you lay the puck line one and a half goals with Winnipeg. They might route Detroit if they're uh, if they're into that game and motivated to do so, and they should be after losing to Toronto on Wednesday. Ian Cameron, rightwager.com. You can see his videos over at sportsbookreview.com. What's the best place to contact you, Babano? Uh, find me at rightwager.com with Big Man on Campus and Donnie Wrightside. Rightwager.com. All right, thanks for time, Babano. See you guys. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano. Quick break. Uh, me and George Kurtz will jump to this, uh, this vampire chick uh, biting someone's penis off. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 
844-843-6879. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Game Time Decisions, live from Studio 34, kicking it on YouTube uh, today. Fantasy Sports Radio Network as well, iHeartRadio. Uh, we appreciate uh, you guys joining us in chat. We'll get this thing up and running. It was just sort of a surprise, actually. They told me right before the show, hey, we're going to go live on YouTube today, as long as you're in the studio. So this will become a thing on Fridays, maybe Wednesdays as well, and uh, in November, which is around the corner. So we're close to it. We're close to it. It's going to be like this. Uh, Cam will join us via Skype every day. So this show will be a video format uh, every day uh, starting uh, probably about in the first week in November uh, or so. So George Kurtz is in for Cam Stewart. Cam's dealing with some personal business uh, right now. Uh, hopefully he's back uh, on Monday. Uh, but uh, George doing a great job. We had fun with Engel uh, yesterday as well. So, you know, we've been pretty sports heavy here. And, uh, man, we've given you a lot of picks. We'll get into some DFS before we're done. But we're talking about this chick here. A woman high on meth and heroin got arrested for trying to bite off a guy's penis during a threesome. So this is in South Carolina. Hanahan police are investigating after a man says a naked woman tried to bite his genitals. We say it happened Monday night while the victim was involved in a threesome. Officers were told the woman was high on heroin and meth when she apparently attacked one of the men. So there we go. We know about how the threesome went. Um, Police responded to a, a South Point apartment on Murray Drive. Uh, they said one of the men called 911, said the woman had attacked him and attempted to bite off his penis. When police went inside the apartment, this is where it gets crazy. They saw a bleeding naked woman coming at them on all fours. She was like on, you know. <laughs> police Chief Dennis Turner had to use a taser to subdue her. Then they had to use Narcon to revive her. So I guess it's the OD drug. Um, they have to use Narvon to recover her. This is from the cop. Honestly, it's one of the most disturbing video, body cam videos that I've ever seen in my career. It, uh, it honestly reminded me of something that you would see in a horror movie, which I, I got to see this video now, George. Like, so there's a video of a chick on all fours who just like got blood in her mouth and just bit off a guy's junk in a seedy apartment in South Carolina. So what, what are we taking from this? That maybe you shouldn't be sleeping with chicks on uh, that are high on meth. Yeah, number one is yeah, don't have a threesome with another dude. Number That's two, number, yeah. number two is yeah, don't sleep with a crackhead hooker type thing. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I might be worried. I don't think I would be worried about getting my penis uh, ripped off. I might be worried about getting a disease or two or ten. That's the thing, that man. Way. Like, I'm not judging some of these girls. I mean, they've had tough breaks in life and stuff, but. Sometimes I wonder, I see cars pull up, man, and they pick up these sort of really, really streetish type of people. And I'm thinking, why would you want to have, like, at that point, go have sex with a blow-up doll. Like, really? Like, like uh, yeah, yeah, let me go find some chick that probably is diseased on the corner somewhere. <laughs> like, I don't understand the logic of this. Listen, last night, you know, last night I go out with my friends. And we're watching the game at a bar. And we start talking about a bachelor party we went to many years ago. And it was literally with uh, the, the girl, the two... I'll call them professionals, but that's really being nice. They were two streetwalkers, and they were, although they were okay looking, they were these were girls you would not touch unless you had you you were triple bagging. Yeah, you were in a hazmat suit, yeah. Right. I mean, no way, no way. They were. 
I, I guess I was a little young back then, didn't know what certain things were, but they were doing things that, like, what the hell, what am I doing here? Eventually, it went too far, man. It was, so it was a golden shower involved, and I'm gone. Oh, my I'm God. Like, <laughs> I, I'm leaving. Listen, Gabe, they were shooting... They were shooting eggs out of their uh, their oh, JJ's. Wow! And had the the, the groom. So you just you just told me there were things that you were disturbed by. Now I'm believing you because I've seen some things, but now I've never seen people like uh, you know lay eggs. They, no, they were shooting. They were shooting them out. I don't know how, but she was shooting them out, and the groom with t- with the wiffle ball bat was taking swings. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah that's. <laughs> but the, the the grossest thing was, I'm, my brother and I were leaving it. This is like, whoa! This is just way, way <laughs> out of hand. And two of our friends, and I shouldn't be surprised about the two friends that were doing it, were actually going down on them as we were leaving. I'm like, your freaking tongue's going to fall out. What the hell are you doing? Wow. This, you know, George, you're catching me off guard here on this one. I, you know, This story I didn't see coming. The chat's blowing up right now. I've seen some things. The wiffle ball and Buddy hitting, hitting the eggs with a wiffle ball bat. That's, you know. So let me ask you, how'd the marriage turn out? Are they still together? Uh, yes, yes, they are actually. They've been married longer than I've been married eighteen years. They're longer than me, so they're twenty plus. <laughs> so uh, it's worked out. But man, yes, uh, and that's uh, and it's funny. I've told my friend. I've seen like, somebody. Yeah, I've seen somebody smoke a cigarette down there. I've seen that too. Like yeah, I, like I, actually I, inhale and blow the smoke out and stuff. And I'm thinking, dear God, like really. You know, I guess now much older now. I've seen him pretty much much of everything now. But back then, it was like, what the hell is this? What am I watching here? It's, you know, hey, it's in the city. Uh, crazy crap happens here. But the wiffle ball bat thing was like, hey, how does she get get it to shoot out five feet? What the hell? Just by chance, we have a girl that just joined us in the chat now, Sooner Lisa. Fortunately, she's got thick skin. She she can handle this. Yeah, that sounds, uh, I don't know, like when, when you just talked about Golden Shower with Donald Trump there. Were you hanging out with a young Donald Trump at this party? <laughs> No, no, I don't, I don't think a young Donald Trump would be anywhere near this bar. It's <laughs> like a high-class institute. You know what, to be honest, George, uh, do you still have their numbers for a friend? We're just saying. <laughs> I wouldn't give them to a friend, man. I said, these, these girls had to be carried. I said, you wouldn't touch them. They, they were okay. They were attractive. So it wasn't that, but you just knew that this is back, like I said, in the early 90s. So you were going to catch something. You know, age was big back then. There's no way I would go anywhere near them. Gold. George Kurtz dropping uh, literally part in the pun, actually, here. Great, great story from uh, from uh, Kurtz. All right, we actually have, uh, we got a lineup now. All right, we got some lineups. Boston Red Sox lineup tonight. Mookie Betts, bats leadoff, right field. Xander Bogarts, shortstop, batting second. Mitch Moreland, Mitch Moreland, first base, bats third. Surprised to see this here, George. J.D. Martinez, left field, clean up. Brock Holt, uh, Devers, bat six, third base. Jackie Bradley in center field, seventh. Christian Vasquez, uh, catcher, uh, will be batting eighth. And then Rick Porcello. Wow. So, Ben Intendi is the odd man out. Ben Intendi not in the lineup tonight. Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I can understand you want to put J.D. in right field. If, he's, if his ankle's healthy, he plays. But I move Ben Intendi to center. I Listen, Bradley's great. I understand that. But Benetton's the better hitter, and he's still a pretty good fielder, too. He's not Bradley, but he's not that far off, either. If there's no injury to Benetton here, it's not like it comes down to stats. Nobody has a history against Bueller. So it's not like he's, a, you know, Benetton's 0 for 18 against Bueller or something like that. Somebody had to be the guy with Boston. That was the thing, and it wasn't going to be Mookie Betts. To me, it's Bradley. He has to sit. Yeah, it wasn't going to be Betts. And, they, you know, Martinez, they want that bat in the line. I'm surprised, though, they didn't go the uh, – 
Yeah, it's it's into the rolling the dice here with Martinez in the outfield, aren't they? We'll see. I mean, the Dodgers, you know, they hit one down, you know, down the line. He's got to go in there and feel the ball. We're going to see how that that plays out. Yeah, it's a gamble. But then again, Porcello, I know he's giving up the home runs, but with that sinker, he really is. A, he's supposed to be a ground ball pitcher. I'm sure that comes into it as well. And then on uh, tomorrow night, you got Iavaldi, the strikeout guy. Yeah. So I think they think they can they can get away with it for these two, at least the first two games. So yeah, Benintendi's the big name, the odd man out, and then you got Kinsler and Nunez also not in this lineup. So let's check out the Los Angeles Dodger lineup, and it looks like a better lineup already. All right, batting leadoff, Jock Peterson, left field. Justin Turner, second, uh, third base, bat second. Max Muncy in at uh, first base, bats third. Manny Machado, clean up, shortstop. Cody Bellinger is batting uh, fifth in center field. Yasil Puig, right field, bats sixth, so they move him up in the lineup. Yosemite Grandal, whoa, Grandal is back. Grandal uh, in the lineup. Chris Taylor bats eighth, who's kind of struggled a little bit, and Walker Bueller. Um, interesting, you know the Dodgers. This is this is the, this was pretty much their daily lineup, though uh, for the most part, George. This is more accurate than what they had in the regular season. But you know, where did you hesitate on? You hesitate on Grandal. Yeah, Grandal. He's got problems. He he doesn't hit well in the postseason. He's not playing well defensively. Uh, talked about it earlier. Red Sox will run the bases. They'll be. Uh, they'll run on him. So I, I guess they figured the punishment was enough, right? They sat him down. It's been Austin Barnes. Not like Austin Barnes is lighting it up either, right? So I guess they figured, hey, we can't bench this guy forever. But what happens if first inning, second inning, Grandel lets up a pass ball? Oh. Those fans are going to get on him. They were booing. They were or let's say, ball. God forbid, even in the first inning, second inning, he comes up and there's, you know, Bellinger on Quigger on second and third, and he pops out. They're going to get on him. It's a tough spot, man. I think I would have probably played him more on the road than I would have uh, at home here. But I, once again, you thought it lefty-righty matchup here. I get it. Grandel's the better player, but he's got to be feeling that pressure. Like, he makes any kind of mistake here. Or as you said, if pop-out's not even a mistake, this doesn't get a hit yeah. in a key situation, he's going to hear it. Yeah, there's always sort of that target. So interesting, George. So the game, I guess they can't start it any later. It's true. I mean, and this is a problem. Like, you get your take on this when they should start these games. They're starting it at 8.05. So, 5.05 in Los Angeles. We, no one's really talked about this too much with the shadows and, and the weather. You know, I don't know. Is, are we, do we overblow these things, especially as gamblers? We're always looking for little edges and stuff. At times, shadows can be an issue. You know, they, they can be an issue. But is it an issue today with Porcello and Bueller out there? I guess um, technically I don't think Porcello is going to be an issue for the Dodger batters. I don't think he throws hard enough. It could be an issue for the, uh, the Red Sox batters for the first couple of innings until those shadows pass the mound. I mean, listen, we've all played baseball. You know, ha- having a ball come out of the sun and then into the shadows is tough. It's not yep. easy. It especially if it's a – yeah, up. especially if it's a you know, left, left-handed pitcher or some nasty dude with, with weird movement and stuff. If he's got a weird delivery, yeah, the batters hate it. I mean, they don't even like white backgrounds in the back and center field, right? I mean, they, their eyes are very sensitive to these movements. And like we said, guys, the pitcher's in the sun. So we say a shadow. So, you know, basically, like, with the stadium, with, you know, the sun being cut off, the pitcher will be in the sun on the mound. You're in the shade at home plate. And then otherwise, and other times, there's glare sort of bouncing around other places. So as George stated, the ball starting in the sun is coming into the shade. And they're only 60 feet away, and it's coming 98 miles an hour. So it's a hell of a lot harder to pick up for these guys. They hate it, but it's usually only for a couple of days. But Chavez Ravine has been known for shadows in the past, George. 
Yeah, it can be it can be a pain in the butt. I mean, it certainly can be. Uh, but you're, the one good thing is. It'll probably be gone before the relievers come in, and the relievers yeah. are usually the ones with the herky-jerky motion. You know, the ones that are trying to yeah, those left-handed specialists that are trying to hide the ball anyway and throwing the ball from first base. You won't really see that as much from Porcello and Bueller. So it, I guess you get that. If you're looking for some kind of optimism, you get that out of the way. But if I was going to give an advantage, it would be an advantage to the Dodger hitters because Bueller throws harder, so the Red Sox hitters could have a, a slight problem. All right. Um, what else do we got going on? We got a lot of Twitters uh, coming in here. Profits for Life says, funny thing about Fergie's boyfriend wanting to beef Draymond Green, uh, like he's the only one that made faces that night. Uh, Towns, Curry, and pretty much every other player and celebrity who was in the arena made a face. I don't know why he's going after Draymond specifically, but, you know. <laughs> why now? That's my question. Why now? This was happening almost a year ago. I don't get it. Yeah, I know. It's a little, a little late. Like, no, nobody cares It anymore. really was that bad, too. <laughs> It really was that bad. That's the whole thing. <laughs> I remember it being bad, but I don't remember what uh, what event it was. But why, why would you rehash it now and bring it back up? I think it was the NBA All Star Game. Exactly. That's another thing too. You're just, you know, you're re, you're just re, um, <laughs> you're just you're re, re, reliving everything. All right. Yeah, um, it's, it's a strange. Let, let it die. You know, we'll get into some DFS at six o'clock. But as long as we're on baseball right now. I heard the Mets are down to two guys right now for their for their new GM, George. And that's the Bloom guy from Tampa, uh, Jaime Bloom, who's, you know, sort of young analytics type of guy who obviously, you know, you look at what they've done. I think that's kind of intriguing. And I would go with him over than the other one who is this uh, Van Wagner guy who I don't know if you know who he is. He's the, he's the agent. He's a player agent. But he's the, the, agent. He's the agent for DeGrom and he's the agent for Syndergaard. You really gonna make like the player's agent the GM of a team? Like, what do you think of that? I just think it's strange and it shouldn't happen. I also think this: if, if you're the agent, are you gonna make more money as a GM than you would as an agent when you want to do this, or is this just an ego thing to try and rebuild? Yeah, I think the it's an ego thing, sort of like Palinka with LA. I think it's an ego thing. Yeah, I, I would. It has to be, and but it would be strange because right now you're fighting. What was the big thing? He uh, he wanted to get the Grama contract extension. Right, get the big money here before he's, uh, he's 32 years old and when he's a free agent. And now you're going to be on the other side fighting against it. <laughs> you're going to say why the Grom shouldn't get the deal. So uh, good luck with this. I mean, that's right. It's, it's all BS. And then what do you do, too? And like, you, you just imagine, like, if he becomes the GM and he hooks up his guys, but then plays tight with everybody else. That could also and be. Now, I know right. he, he wouldn't have, they wouldn't be his agent. Obviously, it would be the agency and he'd divest, I would imagine. But still, the conflict is there. I don't mind a former agent. You know, like Rob Palenka, GM of the Lakers, whatever. He was Kobe's guy. And they think, okay, the agent, he's got an understanding of the players and everything. I see the logic somewhat of an agent. Yet baseball's a little different. There's so much analytics. I don't have a, have a problem having an agent as part of the team, but it seems strange to me to take a current player agent and try to make him a general manager, especially for the Mets. Like, I, I don't get this move. I, I would go with Bloom instead. I would go with Bloom in a heartbeat. Uh, I noticed, uh, listen, he's 35. He's a big analytics. He uh, he was part of the reason Tampa Bay got to where they got last year. Let's face it. If there was another month of the baseball season, Tampa Bay probably makes the playoffs. They were playing that well. And they're doing it with a payroll of, what, $68 million? I'll take that. The Whiplans don't want to spend money anyway, right? So take the guy who might be able to win without it. Yeah, exactly. George Kurtz uh, kicking it with us in uh, for the Raging Redhead. Uh, Cam Stewart. Something uh, something we missed, actually, uh, I didn't bring up, and it's not too relevant here, but just for the record, Megyn Kelly is out at NBC. 
You know, they 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 were waiting, man. Her ratings weren't very good. They they were paying her a lot of money. Um, I think it was a 69, 67, 68, 69 million dollar three-year deal. So she was making large jack. And uh they they were waiting to 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 get her and they got her. So um yeah, Megan Kelly bites the dust, George. Yeah, not surprised. Uh I think we hear I mean when she first got hired, people were saying she was a t- ticking time bomb, that it was gonna happen sooner rather than later. And, yeah. you know, once you're making that cash and you're not bringing in the ratings, they are looking for any reason here. Not that they aren't justified. She gave them one. You know, she should have been more, probably thought more about what she's doing. Uh, but yeah, You know what I said, George? She was a system quarterback. You know what I mean? She put <laughs> up big numbers at Fox, but to be honest, you put you and I in a bow tie and we drop us on a Tucker Carlson show. As long as we, you know, we hate people, and we, we, as long as we do their shtick, you're good. You're going to get numbers. It's like those TV shows that follow Seinfeld. Yeah, they do great. Yeah, yeah, you're in a great spot. Like, exactly. Like, and, you know, Megyn Kelly had big ratings at Fox, but everybody has. Like, so does Laura Ingram right now. Yeah, it is more of a product of who you follow, who you're with, than you alone. And the thing is, she torched, she she burnt the bridge when she split Fox. She took shots at them. She talked about the sexual culture there. Now she's probably going to try to, you know, grovel her way back. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where she ends up after, but it's amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, you can't predict the entertainment industry. You never would think that you know Megan Kelly would be would be the one to talk herself out of a gig, but she's just so effing stupid and racist. So what are you gonna do? Uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out there, Megan. Uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll talk some DFS on the other side. We'll run through the prices. We'll see what Kurtz thinks of the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. We'll run an NBA optimizer for tonight. All that and more. Game time decisions continues. 